I really want to snap to that, but I am perpetually and fatally white. <laughs> so I can never find the right place to snap to anything or to clap to anything. So let me just kind of give you uh, some information this morning. As we have been in this series, we are doing our best to teach something that has been taught to us. We are absolutely doing our best to present it as accurately as possible because I know the impact that this had on me. And so we are doing our best to share it with you because we feel like the impact can be the same for your life as well. Um, and we're actually in part number five of a five-part series. And if this is your first time here this morning or you missed a couple of the other parts, I want you to ne do not fear. You're not going to be lost in this process. In fact, we're going to do a little catching up right yeah. now. I want to tell you what we've talked about. Week number one of this series, we said that most people in the world, um, they would think this and say this, uh, who gets to go to heaven? And they would answer that by saying, well, good people, good people get to go to heaven. That would be the answer for most of the world. And if that's the case, then most of the, of the world would also then ha now have a question that follows that. And that question would be, okay, well, if good people go to heaven, is pretty good good enough? If I'm pretty good, would that be good enough to go to heaven? If good people go, so here's what that means. That means that we're saying if that's the case, we would be saying that what we do on this side of heaven determines what happens to us on the other side if good people go to heaven. Now, we talked about in week number one, if good people are the ones who get to go to heaven, then actually we've got some real problems that we have to figure out. Because the first problem is we really don't know what good is. Now, religious leaders all over the world have ideas about good, but none of them really agree. So we don't know. There's no help there. So we have this internal sense of good, bad, right, and wrong. We might say, well, that's it. Well, if that's, the, if that's it, then we have another problem because whose standard is God going to use? Is he going to use my standard of good and bad, right and wrong? Or is he going to use your standard? Or is he going to use someone else's standard on another continent somewhere else? Which standard? Because they're all, they're all different. So which standard is he going to use? So we have another problem, though. God didn't even tell us how this scoring system works. Yeah, and then we got to week two, and we established that Scripture tells us that God is good and God is loving. But if God left us in the dark and then didn't tell us how this scoring system works, is that really that good and that loving? I mean, we would hope that he would tell us, that just not leave us out in the dark and wonder how good we have to be. Then we may say, well, I bet we can go to the Bible. I bet the Bible is going to give me that standard I have to live up to to make it to heaven. Well, you're going to be sorely disappointed if that's what you're looking for because there's nowhere in Scripture that it gives you a good path to heaven. It's just simply not there. Then we may think, well, let's go to the Old Covenant. It's full of law. Now, maybe if I keep that law, if I just do my best and I keep those laws that are in there, maybe that's the key. Well, there's another problem. We have lots of problems. Did yeah, you notice that? Yeah, I We're do. full of problems. <laughs> that problem with that is many of those laws today, they're culturally irrelevant. And the ones that aren't, we just physically cannot keep them. It's yeah. just not possible. Well, without the temple, there's no sacrifice. Yeah, I mean, yeah we're, we're in trouble. We, yeah. Like I said, we got lots of problems here yeah. that we're dealing with. Then there's another big problem. Jesus himself told the religious leaders of his day, and these religious leaders were actually 
law keepers. That was their job, to keep and teach the law. These were the best of the best. And Jesus told them, you're not good enough. You're not going to make it. And then, to make things even more confusing, <laughs> Jesus told a prostitute, a criminal, tax collectors, hey, you're welcome in. Yeah, what's up with that? <laughs> so, that's, those are all problems. And that's when we got to week number three. And we said, okay, okay, okay. There is another option. An option beyond do good people go to heaven. And here's the option, that, and it's really the only option. Jesus says, here it is. The new covenant teaches, and Jesus said himself, it is not good people that go to heaven, but Jesus said it is forgiven people that go to heaven. Forgiven people. And then Jesus made this unique claim. Jesus said he's the one to do the forgiving. And the unique claim went even further because Jesus said that he was God who came here in the flesh to die for the sins of the world. And do you know what history shows us? That he actually did that. Three days after he died, history shows us that he walked out of that tomb alive. That was Jesus. He did exactly what he said he was going to do. That's what he did. Now, we now have a decision to make at that point. This is what we talked about in week number three. We have to decide, was Jesus a liar? Was Jesus a crazy man, or was Jesus exactly everything he said that he was? And then we come to week four, which was last week, and we just threw our hands up and said, you know what, it's just not fair. We're really not that bad. We're really not bad people. I mean, I know people worse than me. I'm sure you know people worse than you. And on top of that, I know people who claim to follow Christ who are a little worse than me, you know? <laughs> so, you know, it's just not fair that he's not going to let us in on our good works. But we discover there's a problem with that. It's not how much bad we've done. It's how much bad is in us. There's, if there's any bad in us, we're out. Yeah. That's the problem. Because the littlest, teensiest, tiniest sin, God cannot allow in his heaven because it is perfect. Yeah. Well, that leads us to today. So here we are, week number five of this series. And still... Even after we've talked about this topic, is pretty good, good enough? And we actually answered that in week number three and said, no, nobody's good enough. There are still people around this world, and I know there's still some people in Stuttgart where I was last week. Cole is there this week. There's still some people there, and I know statistically that means there's probably still some people even here today who might still be struggling with that, even though we've talked about it, with that thought of, well, maybe I'd still need to be good enough to get in or at least good enough to stay in. So it's still a struggle. Yeah, and I don't believe I've ever personally met somebody who believes in heaven who said, you know, I'm just not in. No way, not going to make it. I don't think I've ever personally met somebody like that. Now, we know a band wrote a song about that, but I haven't ever personally met them, so they don't count. But Wait, which band? ACDC. What'd they say? I don't, can I say that word on from up here? I don't know. Highway to Hell. Oh, Highway to Hell. Okay, yeah. yes, yeah. you can yeah. say that. Okay. Yeah. It's, okay. it's a real place. Okay, so okay. okay. <laughs> so I've never met them personally, so I'm I can't. I'm slow. i got to have I'm, more details. I got you. I appreciate it. <laughs> You're more righteous than me. You've probably never heard that song. Yes, I have. Oh, okay, okay. I have. Okay. <laughs> but most people you do meet, they're this, 
I, I hope I make it in. Yeah. I think I've done enough to tip the scales in my favor. Or you may even get, I've got enough time to, to tip the scales. You know, I've got a little more time. I can do some more good to outweigh the bad. So this one last week, yeah. let's talk about this, but let's look at it from God's perspective. Yeah, okay. So as I was thinking about this, I was reminded of this instance in my own life. Now let's journey with me back to the 1970s. Um, I think it's about 1973. Um, you were all there, right? <laughs> 1973. I was four years old. I don't know how that makes me. Now, don't tell me because I don't keep up with it. I was four years old, and I, was, I lived in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and I was on my, my dad had, he was the only one I'm aware of in our neighborhood that had a riding lawnmower in 1973. You actually got to ride on and cut the grass. He had one of those. And I'm four years old, and I'm on that riding lawnmower just kind of playing, pretending that I'm driving it. And I, I, I have no idea what I did, but I did something bad. And I broke that riding lawnmower. Oh, no. I did. I, I, and I don't know how I did it. Honestly, I don't. I never talked about it again with my dad. I don't know how I broke it, but I broke it. It was not working. So my dad is now faced with some options. How are we going to handle this with my son? He has broken this riding lawnmower. Um, so option one, he could, uh, he could yell and scream, which I have heard my dad do. It's very scary. He could have yelled and screamed at me, and he could have lectured me on how expensive that was and what I did. That was an option. But the reality, if he had chosen to do that, I wouldn't have, at four years old, I wouldn't have understood that about how expensive that was and what I had done and what it was going to cost him to get it. I wouldn't have understood any of that. So he could have done that, but I wouldn't have understood the significance of what I had done. So he has another option. He could look at me and he could say, Harley, you're, you're going to have to pay for that. You're going to have to pay for that. And I'm four years old. So, I mean... I could never pay for it. I, I don't even really understand at four years old the concept of money and the value of what that money represents. So there's, I, I, didn't, I couldn't understand or comprehend what it would take to pay that back. I had no ability to understand at four years old really that concept. So he could have option number three, and this is what he did. He did the only thing that he could do for a father who loved his son the way he loved me. He picked me up and he sat me down and he said, please don't do that again. Now, he kept loving me. After I broke the lawnmower, he did not love me any less. He kept loving me and it goes beyond that. He even paid the price himself for me. He did that. He took all the consequences of what I had done and he took them upon himself. It was at his expense, his money, his energy, and his sweat. And let me focus on his energy and his sweat. Because for some reason, I, I never talked to him about it, I don't know, for some reason... He never bought another riding lawnmower. For the rest of his life, he push mowed the lawn. And we lived 
on an, at the, by the time we li- moved to Little Rock, we lived on an acre of land. And he push mowed the entire thing. He didn't have you push mowing it? No, that, that seems idiotic. <laughs> at the t- sorry, Dad. <laughs> he didn't hear that. He's not here. So, but no, he didn't. And he took that upon himself. Now, he was not concerned about fairness. It certainly wasn't fair to him. It was not fair at all to him. And with me, he went past fairness, way beyond fairness. And he gave me, instead of any of those other things, he gave me grace. And he gave me mercy. Even if it meant that for him, for the rest of his life, he was going to have to pay the price by push mowing for what I had done. Well, and here's God's view. Our sin is a debt to him. We owe him a debt. And this is a debt that we cannot fully understand. We cannot fully comprehend. There's nothing on earth that we can look at and see the same kind of debt we owe God. It's a debt we can't begin to pay. It's a debt that, quite frankly, he he can't even ask us to begin to to pay because we can't pay it. There's no reason for him to ask us. But for us to think that us deciding to be good or to do better will pay God back for what we've done to him, it's just like Harley thinking taking his dishes to the sink is going to pay his dad back. I mean, if Harley started that day taking his dishes to the sink and never stopped until today, that does not help his dad get his lawnmower back. It pays nothing back, and we are in the same situation. Here's what Christianity teaches. When man sinned, God chose forgiveness rather than fairness. He chose grace and mercy instead of justice. You know, it makes me think about when Adam and Eve ate the fruit, God had every right to wipe them out. That would have been fair. As their creator, that would have been fair. And I think about myself. The first time I sinned and every time after, he has every right to take me out. That would be fair. But I thank God that he offers us something way beyond fair, way better than fair. And I want to read a passage. It's In the uh, New Covenant, in the letter to the church in Rome, is chapter 5, verse 6. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Yeah, and that's one of my favorite verses. And I love where it says helpless. We were utterly helpless. In other words, we were powerless. There was absolutely nothing we could do to fix the situation, to make it right. Nothing powerless. Without the hope of someone else coming into our lives and intervening, stepping in on our behalf, other than that, we're powerless. So last week, Bryce said, we talked about fairness. And God didn't do to us what was fair. I I love the way he just described that. He did not do to us what was fair. He did better than fair, went beyond that instead of, Judgment, he offers us forgiveness, and we didn't deserve that, but he gives it to us. So no, when we look at the idea of fairness, no, it wasn't fair. It was better than fair for us. The only person it wasn't fair for is God himself. It wasn't fair for God. He had to end up paying for something he didn't know. That's not fair. And the payment, by the way, you know what the payment was? And this was planned from the beginning of time. This wasn't a a last minute, oh, maybe this will work. Maybe this will pay for it. From the beginning of time, he knew the payment would be death. 
a sacrificial torture and death. And of a, 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 to cover the sins of the entire world, it would take the biggest torture and death that is imaginable. And here's what it would be, the death of God. Now, the problem is God can't die. So you, maybe now you're understanding, or understanding with me where the story went. God can't die. That's why God stepped out of heaven, became a man, Jesus, so that he could go to the cross, God himself, and die. Jesus, God who put on the flesh and the blood of man so he could die. And all of that, God took all that unfairness and he placed it all upon himself. Yeah, and do you all know why good people don't go to heaven? Because there's not any good people. <laughs> yeah. There's no good people. And I know a lot of times when I hear that even myself, I think of, you know, so-and-so. Man, he's a good man. He's a good guy. But the problem is, Scripture backs up what I just said. I think it's in Romans. It says, no one is good. No, right. not one. Yeah. That's all of us. Yeah. We're all no one. That's who we are. And according to God, we're all sinners. We're all in the same boat. We've all broken the mower. All of us have broken the mower. And what we do usually in response to that is exactly what Harley talked about. We go to the kitchen. We start putting our dishes in the sink thinking that's going to pay God back somehow. But we cannot pay him back for the debt we owe him. Now, this is a passage. I, this is one of my favorites right okay. here. It's in, it's, we're still in Romans. We're in the letter of the church in Rome. And it's verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 8. And to me, this is the best small description of what God has done for us. It says this. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Right in the middle of us, treating God unfairly and treating people unfairly, he did something that we absolutely could not do. He decided to forgive us and pay our debt on his behalf. Yeah, so good people, according to Jesus, and <clears throat> what I believe believe what he said good people don't go to heaven but forgiven people do so think about with that with me for just a moment because if that's the case then what could be more fair than that I mean that is beyond fair and here's why because everybody according to Jesus is welcome and everyone gets in all the same way. There's not a special way for him. Or everyone gets in the same way, and everyone can meet the requirement because Jesus met the requirement, right? I want you to listen to the words of Jesus. Now, I'm, I'm going to use a translation. We don't use it much here. We use it three or four times a year. But I'm going to use this translation, and let me tell you why I'm going to use it. Uh, Bryce and I were talking about this uh, Friday or one day this week. Uh, the Greek language is such a beautiful, which it, the New Covenant was written in the language of uh, the Greek language. So it is a beautiful language, and one word in the Greek language has many very significant meanings, much more specific than maybe one word in the English language. Um, and so... One thing I like about the Amplified Version, so when you think about something being amplified, when um, if Jacob were to play his electric guitar over here, you wouldn't hear it, really, until he sticks it into this, all this stuff. 
and it goes through this and it amplifies it. The Amplified uh, Translation takes some of those Greek words and it, and it like turns up the volume. And it gives us a bigger, more meaningful picture of what some of these words mean and the depth of what they mean. And so we're going to take this Amplified Version, Bryce and I, uh, over the next few minutes, and we're going to walk through a passage of Scripture. And these are the words of Christ. He spoke them in Aramaic. They were written down in Greek. And now we have them translated into English for us in our New Covenant copies that we have. And this version is called the Amplified Version. So I'm going to walk you through this. It's maybe a passage that you've heard before. John 3, 16. Words of Jesus. Remember this. This is Jesus speaking. So if anybody understands how all of this works that we're talking about, I think Jesus has a great idea about how this works. So here we go. Jesus said this, For God so greatly loved and, and dearly prized the world that he even, this is how much he loved it, that he even gave up his only begotten, his unique son, so that whoever, I'm going to pause here, Chris, so that whoever, so there's our, one of our first clues, meaning anyone who's willing, whoever, anyone who's willing, and now we're going to add to that, okay, what does the whoever need to do? And so this is going to be added to it. Here we go. So that whoever believes in. Now that's a word, if you're familiar with this verse, that's the word, this word can be so confusing. So are we just saying that, okay, I believe that Jesus existed and I believe that Jesus did the things that he said that he would do? I, yeah, I believe that. So is that me? Well, the Amplified Version turns up the volume a little bit. It gives us a better picture of what that Greek word translated into English also means. And here we go. Whoever believes in trusts in, clings to, I love that, whoever clings to, whoever relies on him. So now Jesus has given us the way. He, so he said whoever, and now he says here's the way you must believe in, trust in, cling to, rely on Jesus. That's the only way. And now he gives us this. It's the only requirement and Anyone, absolutely anyone, can meet that requirement if they will believe in, trust in, cling to, rely on him. And here's what will happen for that person that does that. They shall not perish, which means they won't come to destruction. They won't remain. They won't be lost, remaining lost. But they will have, Jesus says, eternal, everlasting Life And when it talks about that in Scripture, that's what's talking. They're talking about heaven, this eternal connection with God. Heaven. Wow. There, Jesus' words right there. Yeah. And so now we know the question is not about fairness. The only person it's unfair to is God. That's the only person that gets the short end of the stick. We also know that it's not about how good we can be because we can't be good enough. We know those are out. So the only question we really have left are these. Is Jesus who he said he was? And is following Jesus true? And if it is, follow Jesus. It's, it's that simple. If that is true, then follow Jesus. Now, if I say it's true, but I actually don't follow him, that's not my truth then, is it? 
I'm not living out what I say is true. That's what is described in John 3, 17 through 21. That's what we see described there after John 3, 16. We don't get to just mentally agree that Jesus is who he says he is. That makes me think of a passage in, I believe it's in James, and I'll paraphrase, but it says, you believe in God, that's great. The demons believe and they shudder. The demons believe God is who he is, but we know they're not going to heaven. They have to do more than just believe. We can't have John 3, 16 without 17 through 21. It does not stand on its own. But you don't see people at football games, John 3, 16 through 21. 21. No, you see John 3, 16. (laughs) But we're going to put this on the screen because we think this is really important. We want you to take this home with you. If I don't actually follow him, it is not really my truth. And we want you this week to look at John 3, 16 through 21. I want to encourage you, read it every day. Read through it every day slowly. Study it. Learn it, take hold of it, see what's really true about it. Yeah, that's good. Now, that's, that statement and concept is what's leading to our bottom line today. And Chris is going to put that on the screen. Here's our bottom line. Following is proof that it's really your truth. All right? Following is proof that it's really your truth. Um, you don't hear us at the church in Malvern or Stuttgart Harvest Church, you don't hear us talking about a lot about being a Christian, all right? You don't hear us talking about that. Um, And let me explain why, and I'm going to use another topic to do it. I'm going to insert something here. One of my daughters, uh, for a season of her uh, kind of college-age life, decided that she was going to be vegan. I have nothing against vegans at all, Not, not a thing. So she called herself a vegan, and she, therefore, I guess, was a vegan. She wore leather shoes, and <laughs> she ate bacon, and she, <laughs> she ate eggs, and she, I don't know what else she ate, Vanessa, but she ate lots of things, um, you know, chicken and steaks. <laughs> she called herself a vegan. And so here's my point, I think. <laughs> it's not really what we say we believe. She says, I believe the vegan way, right? That makes us a vegan. It's really what we do, right? If she's going to eat bacon when I eat bacon, she's not a vegan. Can we agree? Um, She's in California with all the other weirdos. (laughs) (laughs) She's not weird. She's no longer vegan, by the way. (laughs) Um, so, so here's the thing. You don't hear us using that term, being a Christian, because it, it leads itself to the feeling that it is a label that we can put on and claim, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. I've always been a Christian, or I've, you know, I've grown up in a, I've grown up believing that. So it's not, you don't hear us talking about that. Instead, You hear us using a phrase like this. We use a phrase, being a Christ follower. Because instead of a label that that puts on, it puts an action behind it, and it says, oh, this describes what I'm doing, what the choice I'm making, how I'm living. It describes what I'm doing. So you can't, you can say you're a vegan, but if you don't 
follow that way, you're not a vegan. And we can grow up saying we're a Christian, but if we're not really following Jesus, we're not what the new covenant describes as a Christian. That is so important for us to understand. So instead we say becoming a follower of Jesus or a Christ follower because we really believe this, that following is proof that it's really your truth. That's what we believe. Well, and we want to read these verses real quick. Uh, we want to look at Scripture and see the difference between a Christ follower who is forgiven and has eternal life and someone who unfortunately does not. So we're going to go back to John 3.16. We're going to start working our way through to verse 21. And again, so important, these are the words of Jesus himself. This is, this is from the big man. Yeah. Starting in verse 16. For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave up his only begotten unique son so that whoever believes, and there's that word, whoever believes in, trusts in, clings to, relies on him, shall not perish, come to destruction, be lost, but have eternal, everlasting life. For God did not send the Son into the world in order to judge, to reject, to condemn, to pass sentence on the world, but the world might find salvation and be made safe and sound in him. He who believes in him, clings to, trusts in, relies on, is not judged. He who trusts in him never comes up for judgment. For him there is no rejection, no condemnation. He incurs no damnation. But he who does not believe, cling to, rely on, trust in him, is judged already. He's already been convicted and has already received his sentence because he has not believed in and trusted in the name of the only begotten Son of God. He is condemned for refusing to let his trust rest in Christ's name. All right, so that's a lot. There's so much in there. That's why we want you to go and read that this week. We really do. Jesus is going to continue. And what he's going to do. So Jesus has set the stage there. So we have John 3.16. Everyone's welcome. And then he says, but there's something going on. Because while everyone's welcome, not everyone chooses. And we're not talking about choosing a label. Not everyone chooses to follow. And Jesus now says, so there's this. And there's no condemnation when you follow Jesus. And then there's a group of people that there will be condemnation and they haven't followed. Now that's now Jesus is going to amplify that and turn that volume up and let us look at that a little closer. So he's going to describe that now, starting with verse 19. The basis of the judgment, the basis, he's saying, of this indictment, this test by which Men are judged, so determine who is in and who's not in. This test, it lies in this. So now Jesus is getting ready. So just hang in here. Walk with us through this. Jesus is getting ready to describe the difference between someone who has been forgiven. If it's forgiven people who go to heaven, he's getting ready to describe for us the difference between someone who has been forgiven and someone who has not been forgiven. Someone who's headed to heaven, someone who is not headed to heaven. And he gives us this description. He says it lies in this. Here we go. Turn up the volume. He's going to let us take a closer look. The light, and that's Jesus, you see the capital L talking about Jesus, the light 
has come into the world. Jesus came into the world, okay? And people have loved the darkness. All right? Here we go. The light came. Jesus came. That still applies today. And people have loved the darkness. So let's, the darkness is describing our own path living my life, my way, my choices, I'm going to decide, it's my path. And he says, that's what they've loved more, their path. So if the light is Jesus, his way, his path, they have said, I love my path more. I recognize that he has a path. <clears throat> I recognize that, yeah, he died, he did all that. I say that's true, but I love my path. I'm choosing my path. That's what Jesus is describing. So now, he says, they've loved the darkness rather than and more than the light. More than Jesus. More than his path. Now, hang tight. Jesus, at this moment, he's getting ready to tell us, how do we know? So if that's the reality, they love their path more than Jesus. More than, they love their way more than the way of Jesus. They love this more than him. How do we know that's the case? And Jesus is now going to turn the volume up a little more and let us hear a little more clearly about how we can tell the difference. All right. For, here's how it is, for their works, their deeds, what they do, how they live, their works, their deeds were evil. Now, that can be a little confusing. I don't want to pause too long, but I, I want to make a point. He's not saying, he's, he's, he, he is saying that there's something within us that is causing us to be drawn toward and to make a choice toward this wrongness as opposed to making a choice toward Jesus and his path. So let, let's go on. He's going to turn this volume up a little more. Verse 20, for every wrongdoer, now by the word wrongdoer, here's what he's describing. It's a person who is not clinging to, relying on, trusting in, who is not following Jesus. For every wrongdoer, here's how, we, here's how Jesus said. This is what makes it clear. For every wrongdoer hates, loathes, detests the light. The light being Jesus. All right? They detest that. And they will not come out into the light. In other words, they're not drawn toward the light. There's something that's going on that's causing them a decision they're making or a, a hardness in their beliefs or their heart that is actually pushing away from that light and they're instead coming over here and being magnetized, drawn toward this darkness. He said, so they hate, they loathe, they detest the light and they will not come out into the light so they're not drawn toward it but it, he, Jesus says they shrink from it. So they're not drawn toward it. They're actually going away from it with their life. And here's why. It says, lest his 
works, in other words, what he's doing, the way he's living, his deeds, his activities, his conduct, be exposed and reproved. In other words, I'm loving my path so much that, yes, I recognize Jesus has a way. He may be the way. But I love my life and my choices and my freedom, and I want to live my way. And if I come over here, the way of Jesus, he may reveal to me, I don't get to do this, or I should not do this, or I should not think this, or say this, or live this way. And frankly, I want to, and he's not going to tell me I can't. So I'm going this direction with my life, my path, my way. That's what Jesus is describing. He shrinks away from it, lest his works, his deeds, he be told, oh, no, no, that's not my way, Jesus says, lest he be reproved. Now, this is huge. Jesus says, don't, don't miss this. Jesus says that the person who lives life as usual, as normal. They just go on and they have made an acknowledgement with their mind that yes, Jesus is real. Yes, he exists. Yes, he did what he claims that he did. I, I say yes to that. And they have put on this label called Christian. So because I say that, that makes me a Christian. They put on this label of Christian. That person then who continues to live their life really unchanged and as normal, as usual, as it was, they are still chasing after their own way, shrinking away from the light. Therefore, if that's describing their life, Jesus is saying they aren't connected to the light. They are not what they're claiming to be, putting on that label of Christian. That's huge. We live in a world today, an America, where so many people claim to be Christian. Jesus, they, and, they would, and they might even point to John 3.16. But maybe they've forgotten to read the rest of that passage where Jesus was speaking because Jesus just described a very different reality. He goes on, verse 21, but he who practices the truth, who does what is right, comes out and into the light. In other words, they are, this person is drawn towards Jesus. They, they are um, chasing out after Jesus. And here he says what happens as a result. So that his works, now we've got this word works here, and I want you to don't, don't be confused by this word works because Jesus is not saying that our works get us in. That our works make us good enough to get in. That's, don't be confused here. They don't get us in. What Jesus is saying is that what we do reveals, reveals 
which side we've actually chosen. So for me to say I'm vegan doesn't reveal what side I've chosen. For me to not do all those things, whatever they are that vegans do, that's what reveals that I have chosen that side. Jesus is saying, so our works don't get us in. They reveal, what we do reveals which side we have really chosen. And he goes on, so that his works, so what this guy does may plainly, may be plainly shown to be what they are. This is so huge. Don't miss this. And here's what Jesus is saying that the person who is forgiven, the things they actually end up doing in following the way of Jesus, in following Jesus, those things are, I love this phrase, wrought with God, covered up with God. And that's so important because what we're talking about begins with God and it ends with God. It really has nothing to do with what Harley's doing because if I do choose to follow God's way, anything good that comes out of that and something I might do is not Harley at all. There is no good this side of heaven in Harley. There's not. But if there happens to be in following God something good that comes out of that, it is wrought with God, which means it's all about God, not Harley. I couldn't have done it. It's not me. It's him. It's wrought, covered up with God. And, and, uh, and then the next phrase, wrought with God, it is divinely prompted. In other words, God is the only one who kind of calls us out to follow him. I don't really just choose, oh, today's a good day to follow God. I can only follow God when he calls me and prompts me and pulls me. That's what Jesus is saying. Those are his, his words. So he calls me, pulls me. It's good. It's all started divinely prompted. It begins with God, starts with God, continues with God. And then, so, divinely prompted and then done with God's help. In other words, I couldn't even do it if I wanted to. If there's anything good that comes out of me in following Jesus, I, it's all him. I couldn't do it without his help. I couldn't do it without him. And then that last phrase, in dependence upon him. Without him? No. I couldn't do it. And so... That's where we're getting this bottom line today. I want to say it again. Following is proof that it's really your truth. Yeah, and please don't be confused because we're going to restate this again. Yeah. You've heard us say it over and over today. But I still to this day struggle with it. This morning I struggled with it. I struggle with it all the time. Jesus is not saying good works are the way in or the ticket to heaven. And I still find myself trying to work my way in, knowing good and well there's no way I can. Because the new covenant is very, very, very clear on that. And Harley, to be honest with you, this passage, I find a lot of peace in it because ultimately if it was up to me to get in, I know I'm going to mess it up. Yeah. I'm not going to make it. It is not up to me. We're going to look at the letter to the church in Ephesus in the new covenant, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. 
God saved you by his grace when you believed, when you trusted in, when you clinged to, when you relied on Jesus. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. I want to say that again because I need to hear it. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. The following of Jesus is not the ticket. It's the proof. Yeah, that's right. That's such so important. Think about it this way with me as well. There's only one way that we can pay God for our individual personal debts. And that debt is we've chosen our way at some point in our life that way. Therefore, we're out. So there's only one way we can pay God back. And God only accepts a payment in full. All at once. God only accepts paid in full. But here's what you and I and Bryce, here's what we try to do. We try to say, okay, oh God, 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 listen, listen, I can't pay it in full, but listen, I'll pay you in installments. So we try to pay God on the installment plan. God, I'll, I'll, I'll do better. Listen, I've made some bad decisions this weekend. I'll do better starting today. I will do better. Or we say, God, I really blew it for these years of my life, but I'm doing better now. I'm going to do better. I'll pay you back, God, in installments. I'll do better and better and better. I'll do better. God doesn't accept installments. God will only accept paid in full, all at once and all up front. But we only have paid installments to offer him. We only have some good behavior to offer him and say, God, will this do? Will this be enough? Will you take this? But he doesn't accept installments. He requires paid in full and to be paid up front. And that's why he did that himself because no one can pay that price for themselves in full and up front. It required the death of God. So God put on the flesh and blood and bones of man and came here as Jesus and he did that for us. And now in our lives, following, following Jesus, following is proof that it is really our truth. Now we've spent five weeks doing our best to tell you the truth. That pretty good people, they don't go to heaven. Only forgiven people go to heaven. And I believe that the scriptures that we have are true. And that what Jesus said is true. I believe that. And right now as we're talking about this, if your heart feels drawn toward Jesus right now, if something inside of you feels drawn and, and you're analyzing my way, God's way, my way, the way of Jesus, and you're feeling drawn towards that, something in your heart, it is not our fancy words. We don't have fancy words fancy enough to do that. I believe as the new covenant describes that, that's God's spirit drawing you, drawing your heart. And I also believe this, that we can only come to God in this way when God, his spirit, draws us. And so I, I can't say this with enough emphasis for this to really say what I want. So I'm just going to say it. 
If your heart is feeling drawn right now toward Jesus, I hope that you will choose in this moment to surrender your life to his care and his control. And just make that choice. I'm going to choose to follow him. I've been following my way. I'm going to follow his way. And why that's so important, we can only come when he calls. And I believe as the new covenant, my understanding of the new covenant, that he calls us all, but we're not promised how long he will call or how often he may call. So if you hear him, and my heart believed years ago, I had rejected him for so many years outright. I knew I wasn't a believer. I knew that I had rejected him and chosen my way, even though everyone around me in my life believed I was a Christian. I knew I was not. I wasn't a follower of Jesus. I wasn't. And I believe he called my heart, and I felt that impression, that call. And I also felt that impression that, for me, that was my last call. I can't speak for you in your life. I can just tell you my own, my own experience, my own journey. And that's why I plead with you. If your heart feels drawn toward him, would you surrender to him? Would you give your life into his hands and his control? And when you do that, there is a transfer of ownership that takes place. It is a transfer from my path, my way, I'm the boss, to God's path, your way, God, you're the boss. It's a transfer of ownership from me, the boss of my life, to Jesus being the boss of my life. And Jesus described it. So here's, I'm just simply, one last time for this morning, I'm going to read through John 3.16. I'm going to add to it John 3.17 from the Amplified Version. And here's what I'm going to say. If what Jesus is describing here describes where your heart is right now, if you are being drawn to him, And as we go through each section, if your heart is saying, me too, Jesus, that's me. Yep, that's me, Jesus. You see, you only have to transfer that ownership one time. And if you've never done that, and you're saying, that's me, Jesus, that's me. Then as I'm reading through this, you're in the process right there of transferring that ownership. I was the boss, now you're the boss, Jesus. Here's here's what Jesus said. For God so greatly loved and dearly prize the world that he even gave his only begotten unique son so that whoever so here's the thing if God's calling your heart right now you are that whoever and here's what he's calling you to do whoever believes in is that just mental agreement no here's what it means believes in trusting clings to relies on him that's what Jesus is saying that right there is the transfer of ownership. Jesus, yeah. Okay, so I was trusting in my way, clinging to my way, relying upon my way. I'm transferring, transitioning to this. Jesus, I'm trusting in you, clinging to you, relying on you. That's the transfer of ownership right there. That's what your heart is saying. And here's the result of that. Jesus says, shall not perish, shall not come to destruction, shall not be lost, but have eternal, everlasting life. For God didn't send his son. And Jesus is saying, I'm not here. I'm not here to judge the world. 
to reject, to condemn, to pass sentence on the world. That would come later. That's not why he was there at that moment. But that the world might find salvation and be made safe and sound through him. And if that is what your heart is doing right now, this very moment, it's not a thing where you have to raise your hand. It's not the thing where you have to stand up and walk down here and fill out a special card. No, if you're right now, where you are, if that's what your heart just did, you have transferred the ownership. I'm the boss. Now, Jesus, you're the boss. I'm going your way. I'm following you. I am a Christ follower. And here's what I want you to do. If that describes you, before you hit submit on your connection card, if you have a digital version, or before you place it in that bucket, on the back of your connection card, would you let us know that you're making Christ the boss of your life? There's a place to put that down there. Would you let us know? Just mark that. And here's why. We have some very important information we want to get to you this week about following Jesus, just to encourage you. Not to confuse you, to make it more clear. Here's, here's how you follow Jesus. This is what it's all about as you get started in this journey. Oh, I hope you'll let us know. I hope you will. We're going to pause and we're going to sing some songs to Jesus right now. Before we do, as they're coming up here, I want to pray for us. Let's pray. God, your love for us. You, you chose to take that eternal punishment upon yourself. And I am so grateful. You took what I should have had and you took it upon yourself. And so I, I am in the process, God, some of my friends, they're, they're, they're trusting in you. They're clinging to you right now. They're relying upon you. And with their life, they've said, I want to follow you. And God, we ask that our lives would be proof that you are really our truth and yes we're going to fail Jesus we're still going to fall and we're still going to blow it and we're still going to mess up and we're going to fail miserably sometimes but Jesus we will get up forgiven by you we will get up forgiven and we will then keep following you. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen.